0: Good evening, church family. As uh, Pastor Gabriel mentioned a moment ago, uh, tonight we start a uh, three-sermon part series on friendship. And tonight what we're going to look at is just some kind of... um, a 30,000-foot view of friendship. We're going to look at a number of different principles for Christian friendship. And then the next two weeks, Pastor Gabe and Pastor Philip are going to drill down into some more specific issues related to friendship, such as loyalty and how do you love and how do you have tough love for friends. So That's kind of where we're headed over the next uh, three weeks. But tonight we're going to talk a little bit about just different characteristics that are common for those who are Christians in terms of Friendships. Now, I don't know about how it was for you, but when I was a child, friendship came easy, okay? Can you remember your first friendships? I know for some of you that's a long time back, Uh, but can you remember those early friendships that you had? And it seemed like friendships just came as easy as the sun rose, right? It just happened. Friendship happened, and for me, I can remember kind of the, I guess, the golden years of young friendship for me were, were that ages of like 10 to 14, okay? I lived in a smaller town, so it was a little bit different of a different setting than here in Louisville, but I lived in a small town, and I had about six friends that all lived within a half of a mile. And right square in the middle of all of our our homes was a community park. This is a perfect setting, right, for a middle school boy. And a day in the life of Blake Ring in those years included a handful of things, and you could guarantee on any given day you could find us uh, at the baseball diamond playing home run derby. We almost always did that in the morning. Uh, We would usually follow that up with some type of swimming. My friend Adam Bryan had a pool. If his parents were mad at us for how we treated the pool the time before, we'd pay three bucks, go to the community pool. That's what we would do. We would go to somebody's house for lunch, uh, wherever, whoever had the best food and the snacks at that time, we would go there. And then the afternoon was even the better part. We played a lot of dunk ball. We had a lot of eight-foot rims in in our neighborhood. Anybody ever played dunk ball growing up, and you just thought you were the greatest because you could do a 360 on a seven-foot rim? Yeah, that was us. So I had a dunk ball rim, uh, Zach Youngblood did, Dusty Harkins, and Scott Kaufman had the ultimate uh, court because he had dunk rims on both ends, okay? So basically how this worked is we would play at somebody's house until we broke that rim, and then we'd go to the next person's house, hoping the parents would fix that rim, we could come back to it, okay? And then we almost always ended our day playing golden. Okay, if you remember GoldenEye on Nintendo 64, this is what a day in the life of Blake Ring looked like from the ages of 10 to 14. These, these were the glory years. This was fantastic. And you know, friendship is really easy when you're young until it's not, right? Eventually, the, ease, the easy-peasy friendship turns into something a little bit harder, more confusing, more disappointing. Um, back when I was a kid, uh, we didn't have cell phones, so we'd actually have to go to people's houses and knock on the door, uh, because usually the parents were on the phone and maybe they wouldn't do call waiting. It was really challenging and tough back then. Uh, but we would knock on doors and, you know, at some point in in a friendship, sometimes those knocks didn't come as frequently. You know, for you that are younger today, uh, maybe there's a friend that you, uh, would normally text with, but all of a sudden they seem to be ghosting you. Or maybe there's a party that happens and and you find out later on that you weren't invited to the party, right? So eventually those easy friendships that we had when we were young, it it gets a little more challenging, doesn't it? And it gets disappointing. And sometimes we wonder, what's wrong? What's going on here? What's wrong with me? Did I do something? Is something wrong with me? Why does nobody want to be my friend anymore, right? So we kind of have these emotions and these feelings. And do you ever think to yourself when you think about the friendships you have right now, you're like, I just want to go back to when it was fun and it was easy, right? Those are the days I want to go back to. But the truth of the matter is this. The truth of the matter is, is that those were not actually real friendships in, in one sense. And what I mean by that is it's not that they were make-believe people, okay? They were there. You don't have a mental illness. That's not what we're referring to. What was happening there was number one, when we think back on old friendships, we usually view them through rose-colored lenses, Right? We usually remember the best parts, and and we kind of naturally kind of forget some of the harder things. And maybe that's God's grace to us, right? Uh, That we don't always remember the hard things about the past. But the other thing that makes these friendships unrealistic is that they were rooted in unrealistic times, right? Okay? Imagine if I tried to live that same lifestyle today, Okay? Uh, today is, is Lydia and I's 18th uh, anniversary. Uh, so we're excited about that. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we're very excited about 18 years and 18 more years. We're excited about what God has in store. But imagine if I woke up this morning and I said, peace out, babe. I got to go out and play some dunk ball. And she'd be like, oh, your back's going to go out. Well, that's beside the point. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go play some home run derby. And then we're going to get on the Xbox and we're going we're to play all day. And then we're going to step really late and eat pizza all three meals. Like some of my kids like to do. Now, how would that go over? Not well, right? Just try it. This as a case study. Go home and try that uh, tomorrow. And, and, and the thing is, is we can't be that same carefree person. Why can't I not be that same carefree person? Because I got a mortgage and I got a job and I got kids and I have to be a chauffeur, right? All of these things. We got, we got car issues, health issues. It's not that you, we're not in the same times as we were back then. But, you know, sometimes, do you, if you're my age or older, do you ever just wanna look at your kids and tell them, man, I was so cool when I was your age? <laughs> do you ever feel that way? I sometimes wanna tell my kids, man, I, I, you see me now, but there was a time when I was fit and I was fun, and if something was really fun, I was willing to commit a misdemeanor. You know, that's, that's the kind of life <laughs> that I lived, right? But now that you know, you look at your parents and you're like, well, they're not so cool. The reality is, a lot of times those friendships that we had when we were younger, that maybe we want to get back to those, those were kind of fairy tale relationships and friendships, right? They, they really weren't built on reality of what real life is all about. And sometimes when we think about those relationships, it's all about, man, what was fun for me? You know, it's a very self-focused type of friendship. The other night I was talking to Lydia and I was asking her this question, I said, if there was one phrase that had to summarize your father's ministry at 9th and 0, what would that one phrase be, okay? What would that one phrase be? It didn't take her but probably 10 seconds, and she says to me, it would be, it's not about you. It's not about you. You ever heard Pastor Cook say it's not about you? Hopefully not on an individual level, but hopefully here in the pulpit. But he'll say it about a number of different areas of life, right? And one of those areas of life is friendship. You know, it's not about us. And that's a a message we need to hear because the world is always telling us it's about you, right? It's all about what you want. It's all about about your happiness. And so I've entitled my message tonight, um, an it's not about you kind of friendship, seven markers of Christian friendship. And what I want to do is I want to look at seven different kind of characteristics that we should value as the people of God, that we should really want to strive to do because we see them in Scripture, and I really believe that it it leads to having better friendships and a more blessed uh, life. So, that's what we're going to look at tonight. But before we jump into these seven, I first want us to, to think a little bit about friendology 101, okay? Well, what in the world is friendology 101, Okay. As we think about these different markers of who we want to be as friends and who we should be, we really need to have some self-awareness, okay? So everyone in this room is different. And how we relate to friends is different. And trust me, if you're a boy or you're a girl, you view friendship differently as well. Trust me, I see it on a daily basis with my kids. Um, But one of the things I think is really helpful for us to know is on on this area of sensitivity, sensitivity level, and I have on the scale on one end, dull, okay, nobody wants to be called dull, probably. Maybe some of you want to be called delicate, that's on the other side, right? And whether you're dull or delicate, that's not really a positive or negative, right? What I, what I want us to pick up on is if you're like a delicate person, okay, you're a, you're a delicate person, what this means is this is actually a very positive thing in a lot of ways. Because you ever have those friends that are just like, they're super on, on it. If, if you're going through a hard time. They're there to minister to you. They're the first one to text you, are you doing okay? They're really sensitive to, 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 to your needs. And that's a very good thing. Now, a delicate friend can also get their feelings hurt. That might be the downside. There's a trade off in these things. Now, if you're a dull friend, well, that doesn't sound very fantastic, does it? But if you're a dull friend, well, that might mean that you don't get your feelings hurt very easily. And that can be a good thing too, um, as, as well. But it also might mean that you're just not a very sensitive friend. You're not meeting their their needs. So as you think about this, where would you put yourself on the spectrum? I think that's helpful as we go through these seven markers because you need to know, where are my propensities? Where are my weaknesses? Where are my strengths? The other one is in just the friend quantity. You know, I was thinking about even the differences between my wife and I as I was thinking about tonight. And, you know, my wife is more on that. I like fewer friends, but I'm really going to invest in them. And I'm more on that. I like many friends, but I'm not going to be probably as deep with them. That's just the nature of who we are. Now, God makes each one of us different. And we have to know our personalities, uh, but we also need to know where God might want us to grow, right? And maybe He wants us to come back more into the middle uh, of that spectrum. So I think it's just helpful to be thinking about these things and where we are on these scales as we think about these different markers. Well, the first marker I want us to think about in terms of uh, having a it's not about you friendship is that we need to be a realistic expectations kind of friend. We need to be a realistic expectations kind of friend. In 1 John 1, 1.8, we read this. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Did you know we all bring sin into our relationships? You know, we, every single one of us. And if we, if we realize that to be true, then it lets us know that if we are sinners and they are sinners, we're ultimately going to hurt one another at some point, right? Um, a number of years ago, um, I was wanting to get into biking. And my friend Aaron Pickard helped me to pick out a bike, and he got me a mountain bike, okay? And I wouldn't recommend starting mountain biking in your 40s, but this is where I I am. And Aaron says to me, and this didn't make me feel any better about the decision to start mountain biking, he says, Blake, it's not an issue of... If you're going to get hurt, it's just when are you going to get hurt? I don't know if we got any mountain bikers in here. Isn't that the truth? Eventually, you are going to stumble. You are going to fall over. And for me, it was about the seventh ride in. And uh, I I flipped over. I landed on a timber. I had a huge bruise on my hip. It hurt for like six months. And, you know, one of the things that you realize about mountain biking, and they always say, you know, if you fall off a horse, you got to get back on it. Well, if you fall off your mountain bike, you got to get back on it, right? And uh, to me, it was a big deal that I wanted to ride that same path. And I wanted to, 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 to not give, to give in or to be afraid that I couldn't do it again. And I think that we have to sometimes have that same mentality when it comes to friendship. You know, sometimes we go into friendship thinking, you know, I'll be your friend until it's hard or and, and until I get hurt. We can't go into friendships with that kind of attitude. We need to have understanding that that's, that's all part of life. You know, every relationship, if it's worth having, is going to have uh, good times and, and challenging times. So we need to be of that mindset. I'm going to hurt. I'm going to hurt others. And, and you know, that pain is going to be real. Reconciliation is going to need uh, to happen. Um, but I'm ready for the pain when it comes. So that's one of the things I would say is as to be a, a good Christian friend, you need to understand it's not always going to be amazing every single day of that relationship. So I think that's important. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Jeremy Pierre was here uh, preaching on marriage. And he talked about how, like, in marriage, you think it's going to be amazing until about 15 minutes in. Then you find out it's not all amazing, right? We don't really have that same mechanism when it comes to friendship. But we do need to have that same mindset that, hey, even though it's not always going to be roses, I'm still going to be a friend even in hard times and in good times. There's a quote on the screen I want you to read. This is by uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer. It's in a book called Life Together. He says this about unrealistic expectations and friendships. He says this, the man who fashions a visionary ideal of community, this is the guy who makes up some vision in his mind of what friendship should be like. That's not realistic. He says this, that it should be realized by God, by others, and by himself. He enters the community of Christians with his demands. He sets up his own law and judges brethren and God himself accordingly. That's a very dangerous thing to do. If you go into relationships thinking, this is how it's gonna be, you're gonna meet all these expectations or something's wrong with you, we we can't have that mindset. Because when things do do not go his way, he calls the effort a failure. So he becomes first an accuser of his brethren, Some of us have been on the other end of that, right? People have accused us of being a bad friend because maybe bad expectations that they had, or maybe we had faulty expectations. So they're an accuser of the brethren, then an accuser of God, and finally, the despairing accuser of themselves. So when we don't have good expectations for what friendship should be like, what do we end up doing? We end up getting mad at the people, we get mad at God, and we end up getting discouraged ourselves, and we ask, what's wrong with me? Why is God cursing me with, with a lack of good friendships? So be a realistic expectations kind of friend. Number two, marker number two, be a, an it's all good kind of friend. Be an it's all good kind of friend. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, we read this. It says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, Meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so that you must also forgive. You know, these, these two verses are very pregnant, aren't they? Uh, there's a lot of meaning, uh, there's a lot of application here, but one of the things that we see here is that we have this phenomenal, unfathomable model for us in Jesus Christ, don't we? And how he has demonstrated us exactly how we should forgive one another and how we should treat one another. And consider God's, you know, if, if you go through each of these words in, this, in these verses, consider God's compassionate heart towards you. If, you. if you do that long enough, it changes your perspective on friendship. You know, consider God's uh, kindness towards you. Consider how he bears with you. You know, he, he, he understands he's long-suffering with you. Aren't you grateful that God is long-suffering with you? Have any of you even in the past few days said, God, thank you for being long-suffering in this area because I, des- I deserve to be destroyed? You know, have you ever thought to yourself that? But he is long-suffering and he is forgiving. And we should be that exact same way with our friends. So when I say it's all good, I've found over the years if somebody comes to me and I don't know if it's because I'm a pastor or what, but every once in a while people come to me and they'll ask for my forgiveness for things I don't even remember. Anybody ever do that to you? You're like, I don't even remember that. Sometimes I do remember and I say I don't remember, but usually I don't remember, right? And, but one of the things I say is that it's, like, it's all good. It's all good. And, and I, when I say that, if I ever say it to you, it's genuine, you know, because I don't, I don't like to, I don't like to be a rear view mirror person. I want to to forgive things. I want to move forward. Let's let's just reestablish this relationship. Let's just go forward and and forget the things in the past. And it's not to say that there aren't things you need to learn from the past, uh, but but we need to be that type of people that are willing to be forgiving and bear with one another and move forward. You know, let's not be too quick to, to get our feelings hurt and to be offended all the time. You know, we live in a world where people are just waiting to be offended by something. Do you ever feel like that? We live in a world where, where somebody wants to be offended about something. Let's be different than the world, right? Let's be different from the world. Let's not be so sensitive all of the time. You know, let's have a leaning towards understanding. Let's have a leaning towards forgive, forgiveness. Let's not lean towards annoyance in our relationships. Let's, let's not have that, that mindset. You know, it's not always easy to assume the best. But sometimes when I'm struggling, if somebody comes to me and maybe I don't agree with them or maybe I feel like they've done something wrong, I try to sit there and think, okay, let's assume the very best about the situation. Let's paint that picture. And then I try to believe that the best I can. Okay, so I think if we can assume the best about people. Because here's the deal, is it possible that people might mistreat you in life? (laughs) It's possible and it's gonna happen if it hasn't happened already. But isn't that what happened to Jesus? You know, that's the cross that Jesus had to bear, and it's our cross to bear as well. Okay, but we'll, we'll uh, God's going to sort everything out in the end. But let's be a people of, of forgiveness, a people of understanding, and let's be an it's all good kind of people. A third marker is um, be a we're family, we're fam kind of friend yeah, we're fam kind of friend. We're family. Galatians 6.10 says this, so then as you have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And here's the deal. Christian friends aren't just Christian friends, right? We're brothers and sisters. And there's an important distinction there. And if you look across this room, okay, let's kind of just span uh, across the room, look across, who in this room looks most different from you? Who is the person that is the most opposite of you? Now don't say it out loud, that could be offensive maybe. But who is the most opposite person of you, okay? Their family. That's that's a family member right there. And that's powerful, that's more powerful in many ways than, than just friendship. And, and that's why I say that we need to treat each other like family. Because what do you do with family? You don't always agree. You don't always like each other. But you always love each other and you move forward. And that's the type of people that we should be as the family of God. You know, they say family is thicker than blood, right? And it, isn't it amazing that, that it's blood that's brought all of us together? Uh, this week, you know, has been an interesting week in the Ring household. Uh, Lydia had a hysterectomy last weekend, uh, so our week has looked a lot different. And um, but one of the blessings of just being a part of community and part of a church is that uh, we have meals that keep just showing up. And uh, I guess people just know I can't cook, and they keep bringing it, and it's great. We had one night, we had two meals show up, so we ate a fourth meal that day. Uh, so it's, it's been just a blessing. And the other day, we were here, and uh, we were leaving VBS. A couple of families brought the food to VBS, and I and I toted it home uh, that day, and we ate that night. And we were in the car, and we had one of the meals that was there. And uh, I think it was Hadley, uh, opened up the, the bag, which is typical Hadley. She's very curious about everything in life. And she opens up the bag, and she's looking through everything, I guess, to see if she likes to eat it or not. And she's very pleased with the meal. She's like, "Oh, well, this is exciting. This is a lot of food here, Dad. And uh, then she, oh, there's a card attached to it. And she opens the card, okay? Again, this is Hadley. She opens the card, and she, she starts reading it, and she notices that there is a, a gift card in the card. So not only did we get this great meal, there was a gift card that was a very generous gift card it will pay for a, a couple more meals for our family. And this is the best. This is like Bonanza right here. And, um, and Hadley's like, oh my goodness. And she was reading it and she's like, who are these people? And she didn't know this family's name. And I know them, we know them, but we're not close. We kind of run in different circles in the church. They're newer. And one of the kids said, like, that's kind of crazy that someone that we don't know all that well would do this for us. Well, that's that's, that's Fam. That's what being family is all about. So be family. That's the kind of friends we want to be, loving family, thicker than blood. Number four, be a lips or sealed kind of friend. Be a lips or sealed kind of friend. Proverbs 17.9 says this, whoever covers an offense seeks love. Okay? Whoever covers an offense seeks love. And that means like we live in an understanding way with one another. We cover it up. And not to say we, it didn't happen or there's not consequences to things we do sometimes, but we live with one another in an understanding way. We forgive, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. And, you know, a sign of a good friend is one that listens well. I'm not a great listener. I struggle. Sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'll be talking. Somebody will be talking to me. I'm like, Blake, pay attention. Blake, pay attention. You've got to be a better listener. You do it too, so don't act like you don't do it too. Um, But we need to be good listeners. James 1.19 says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And being a good listener means, you know, we don't always jump to conclusions. We don't always make assumptions uh, about situations. We believe the best in people because we have a unique calling. To, to be a, a people of discretion and to be a people who, um, who are willing to hold on to, to intimate personal details uh, of a friend. You know, repeating and sharing and, and spreading sensitive stories, it not only dishonors the Lord and not only does it stir up disunity, but man, it sure does destroy a relationship quite quickly, doesn't it? You think about the best relationships you've ever had. They've taken a long time to establish. But you know, in, in, a, in a moment's time, you can destroy that by saying something that you should have never said. So, I think that one of the ways we can be a great friend is, is be a good listener. Uh, understand where they're coming from. Uh, assume the best in what they are, are saying. And be careful not to, to spread those things. Uh, because it's very easy. And we live in, a, we live in uh, uh, circles of, of friendship where, you know, we've got community groups and we do prayer requests. And I think in Christian communities, sometimes it can be a little bit more challenging because we have settings that it takes more discernment. Is this something I should share? Is it something I should not share? So we need to ask the Lord to give us wisdom in those things. But we want to be a, a lips are sealed kind of friend. Number five, be an, be an ICU kind of friend. Be an ICU kind of friend. Romans 12, verse 10, and then verse 15 reads this, love one another with brotherly affection. This is great. Outdo one another in showing honor. That would be a great game show, wouldn't it? To see two people trying to outdo one another in showing honor. I don't know how that would work, but let's, that would be neat to see. But then it says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep earlier this year I was at a basketball game and there was a student in the stands and they had a friend that was out there playing on the court and they kept yelling at that person their their friend every time they would do something good I see you I see you, I see you. They kept saying it over and over and again. And I don't know if this is a new expression, but I feel like I hear it constantly now. I was at a tournament in Ohio two weeks ago and I was sitting next to a parent and she must have said, I see you 50 times to her daughter. And when, when they said that, what are they saying? They're saying, I'm being your biggest cheerleader. I've seen what you've done on the court. I've seen that effort. I saw that shot. You're doing great. I believe in you. And that's what they're saying. And that's the kind of friends we want to be. We want to be I see, an ICU kind of friend. We want to be the biggest cheerleaders for, for people. You know, Gabe came up here a minute ago and he was saying Blake was a good friend. That's him being a cheerleader. You know, I'm not sure he was telling the truth there, but he was being a cheerleader, right? And so that's the type of people we want to be. Now notice these two commandments we see in verse 15. There's the one about rejoicing with people who rejoice and then weeping with those who weep. I think it's easier to probably do the weeping part. The sympathizing part in a lot of ways, because in those scenarios, people need you. If you see somebody crying, you're probably not going to walk away, right? Your natural instinct is to, are you okay? Or if you know them well, you hug them or whatever it might be. I think the harder one is to rejoice with people. Because people that are happy or something's great's happening in their life, they don't necessarily need you in that moment, do they? It's not natural. But you know what? Celebrating alone isn't much fun, is it? You guys ever done something amazing and nobody was there to see it? That's not very fun. You want the whole world to be there to see it, right? Celebrating alone isn't much fun. However, we increase one's joy when we rejoice with them. And it's an act of love to increase another's joy. It's an act of love to increase another's joy. So if you're a person that is quick to show honor and rejoice when others have victories, you're going to be a friend magnet. All right, you're going to have all the friends you could ever want. Because who doesn't want a friend who's a cheerleader, right? And, and I think that that's something that, that is worth thinking about. Who in your life is your biggest cheerleader? I hope there's someone who's come to mind. Uh, that, that makes this a lot more helpful <laughs> in this illustration here. Who is your biggest cheerleader? Let's go and be that for people. Let's go be that person. That's a challenge to me because I'm not always that way. And maybe you're not either, but let's be an ICU kind of friend. Let's be a big cheerleader. Number six, be a keep it real kind of friend. Be a keep it real kind of friend. Galatians 6.1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted. So we see here this idea that that if you see someone sinning, a friend of yours, if you're in a good place spiritually, uh, then you should go to them and you should should correct them in in a gentle uh, uh, spirit. And and we should, you know, when it comes to your friends, I hope you care about their holiness. We should care about one another's holiness, right? That should be important uh, to us. We need to be protectors um, of our friends. And that doesn't give us a license to say whatever we want. I would like to have a license to say whatever I want in life, but they don't give those out very easily. Uh, you, can't, you can't go buy those, right? But notice what it says. It says you need to be spiritual, to say things at times, you, you you know you've got to you've got to invest in, in relationships before you're able to speak into people's lives uh, often, and I think that that this is where the self awareness comes into play. Have you ever seen some sin in somebody's life? And you're like, I'm not in a good place right now. I'm not sure I'm even seeing this situation properly. I can't speak into that. But there are times when the Lord puts it on your heart. He pricks your heart to say, something's wrong with your friend. They're sick and they don't even know it. You need to speak to them. And that's where we need to to have a spiritual mindset uh, as we think about our friends. Because I I tell you what, correcting a brother or sister who is in sin, is there any greater love than that? Because you are risking something when you do that. Because there is a chance that they're going to come back and they're not going to like what you said and it could damage your relationship. But here, let me, but keep this in mind. I was real curious, like what percentage of people in this room are kind of a a conflict, um, have a high conflict personality? So I looked up a number of articles and and basically it said somewhere around 10% of people have a high conflict personality. All right, look around, around you. Oh, there's some of you who are in here. 10% of you love conflict. But what's that mean? 90% of you don't like conflict. So if somebody comes to you and they're like, brother, this is what's going on. You know, you shouldn't do this, or I've noticed this tendency, or you said this, or you're drawing others who are weaker brothers into sin, they're probably not doing it because they like conflict. They're doing it because they love you. And I think we need to keep that in mind, that that God wants us to be that that gentle uh, uh, rebuke to our friends uh, when we see these things. And so often, when you rebuke someone, you won't know for a long time, and you may never know how God might use that okay? The year was 2001. It was May of 2001, I remember. Um, It was the last week of school. It was the week of graduation at Illinois, and I'd gone to church that week, and we were at somebody's house that afternoon for lunch after church, and a young lady by the name of Brooklyn, who was a friend of mine, made some comment about me being haughty and cocky, okay? And it didn't really stick, you know, sometimes the first time you're told something that doesn't really stick. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. And um, so the next week, I was back in my hometown at, at my first Baptist church where I had grown up, and uh, I was walking out of the, the the morning service, and I can remember where I was even in the building. And a, a friend of mine said to me, and her name was Elizabeth. Elizabeth said to me, "Blake, you coming back for PM service tonight?" And I said. I said something really snarky, and I don't even really want to say it right now because it's embarrassing. But I said, if you're lucky, why would you say that to somebody, right? And she says to me, it's like, Blake, you're so cocky sometimes. And I was like, it took two. You know, when, when Brooklyn said it the Sunday before, it didn't hit. But when Elizabeth said it the, the, the second Sunday, I was like, something's wrong with me. Because these are two girls that do not like conflict, all right? I know that. I know their personality. And the Lord used that. And, and and so oftentimes, you know, Brooklyn and Elizabeth don't know this story. But you all do, so don't tell them. Um, but but you never know how God's gonna use that in someone's life. Good friends encourage and challenge others to live to be more like Jesus. You know, a healthy level of confrontation creates a tension that is often conducive for spiritual growth. What's best for us is almost never what's easy honest, right? What's best for us is almost never what's easy, honest. So look for those opportunities that the Lord gives you to speak into people's lives. And and just getting back to this idea of self-awareness, if friends never confront you, that might be a problem too, you know. And I think about that sometimes if I've gone through a season when no one's ever kind of spoken into my life or said anything to me. That might mean either I'm not doing a very good job of developing friendships or maybe I'm just a really hard person to talk to. Maybe I'm argumentative or maybe whatever it might be. So I think that that if you're a type of person that no one ever confronts you about anything, you just need to look at your own heart because there might be something there that you need to work through. So that's just something that I think about and and maybe that's something that you needed to hear uh, tonight as well. Last thing I wanna say is, is, be a bring them to Jesus kind of friend. Be a bring them to Jesus kind of friend. In John chapter 1, verse 43, uh, we have this passage of Scripture where Jesus is like, come and follow me, come and follow me. He's calling the disciples unto himself. And he goes to Philip and he says, Philip, follow me. And what does Philip do? He does this amazing thing of he invites other people into it. And he goes to, uh, to his friend Nathaniel. He says, it says, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. You know, friends are, are really valuable, aren't they? I hope that you have friends that, that you feel are valuable. I know as I look across this room, there's, all, there's a whole spectrum. Many of you have many friends. Some of you in here are, are lonely, like, like Pastor Gabriel mentioned earlier. And I know we're all over the place, but I hope that you have friends and that you value them. You know, and, and what do we do as friends? We share in the joys of life. We share in the disappointments of life. We share in the, in the hopes of life. You know, we go to, wet, to each other's weddings, we go to birthday parties, we go to hospitals, we go to funerals, you know, we share life together. All of the things, these are what friends uh, should be doing. But for those who have placed their faith in Jesus, there's monstrous implications. There's monstrous implications because all of these things we've talked about, all of these different markers, they take on different meaning when they're grounded in the bedrock of Jesus, right? So everything that we do should be pushing people back to Jesus. So two questions as as we kind of close out tonight I want you to think about is, number one, am I regularly pointing my friends to Jesus? Am I regularly pointing my friends uh, to Jesus? Now how this manifests itself can happen in a lot of different ways, okay? And and maybe it's it's you praying for them. Is there any better friend than a friend that prays for you? Probably not. So maybe the way you, you, you lead them to Jesus is just through prayer or pointing them to Scripture. Or, or kind of like rerouting them into better things than things that they're currently doing, you know. And, and maybe it's the music that you listen to or the movies that you watch or, or whatever it, it may be. But, but be, be, let's be friends that are always pointing people back to Jesus. And, and the second thing I would say is, am I regularly looking to welcome in new friends who I can point to Jesus? Am I, am I looking to do that? And for some of us in this room, we're probably kind of just happy with the friends we got. <laughs> you know, we like them. It took us a long time to find them. We've nailed them down. Let's just, let's just let's go with those friends. I don't need any more friends. But we always need to be on, on the lookout for people who need to be befriended. And, and here's the deal. Even as we think about our church, we want to be a church that reaches people for Jesus Christ. We want to be a growing church, not only spiritually, uh, but also numerically. We want to bring people into the fold. And if we all are like, I got enough friends, how are they going to feel? It's like Lego blocks. There's nothing to connect to, right? We want to be like Lego blocks. Where there's a lot to connect to, right? And so that's the type of people that we want to be. Always open to new friendships. For some of you, that's really easy. You would like to make a new friend tonight. You know, no problem. I'm happy to do it. For some of you, you're going to really have to step out of your comfort zone to be that type of person. But let's be friends that, that, that point others to Jesus, and let's always look to make new friends to point them to Jesus. You know, Christianity oftentimes flips things on their head, right? It's like the great reversal. Because we think about friendships, we would think that what would make us happy is seeking those things that make us happy. What, what's going to bring me the most joy? What do I enjoy the most? I want to find friends who are just like me, so they like all the things I like, and it's going to be perfect, right? But what we see in, in Scripture is our deepest happiness and satisfaction is found in loving and serving others. That's what Jesus told us to do. And so that's why when I think about Pastor Cook, and he always says, you know, it's not about you. I think it would serve us well as a congregation if we constantly thought about the fact that Jesus wants us to be a it's not about you kind of friend. It's about others, and there's great deep joy in loving others, serving others, and being others focused. And I'm grateful that we are a church that is filled with all types of people just like that. But I also know that I've got places in my heart that I need to grow, and I know you do as well. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you tonight for the opportunity to come and speak about friendship. And Lord, I know that when the, the crowds people and the religious leaders would, would say that Jesus, he, he's a friend of sinners, you know, they would mock Jesus in their own hearts when they said that, but Jesus is like, put that on a t-shirt. I'm happy to be a friend of sinners. Lord, I pray that we would be just like Jesus, that we would look to, to, to invite other people into our lives, that we would point people to holiness and point people in the right direction. And God, I pray that you would strengthen our love for one another in this church and that when people come into our fellowship, they would say, wow, there is something unique. There is something different. These people love Jesus and it is evident in how they treat one another. In Christ's name I pray, amen.